0: Good morning. I guess you can hear me. My sound okay? All right. Well, I hope you're enjoying this beautiful fall weather, as Pastor Joe and Vicki are, and we're happy they're doing that. First, let me say a word about the, the stool. I'm not trying to be cool or to, to imitate anybody. I'm having a problem with my hip, and if I stand for more than an hour, my knees lock up. So I figure by the time I get done, know it might be a problem so I I actually I'm gonna sit down now and do this I'm just kidding I I I, uh, I do have a problem that hopefully is gonna be gone soon but anyway I wanted to uh, talk this morning about well Pastor Joe asked me I guess a couple weeks ago if I would uh, share and uh, I remembered I used to preach a lot. And I remember that when I was preaching a lot, when I would preach and be pointing out there at you all, three fingers were pointing back at me. And most of the time, (laughs) when I got done preparing a lesson, it was surely for me, and maybe it had something to do with somebody else. And so, as I was uh, praying about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, I was taken to, uh, in my Bible study time, to the book of Proverbs, and particularly uh, I was in Proverbs, uh, the 18th chapter at one point, and, and I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me about this, and that it was something I should share. And so I'm going to start by reading from uh, Proverbs 18, and uh, see if we can uh, pick up on a message here. Proverbs, actually, uh, Proverbs 18 starts in, in 17 at the end, the thought here that I want to get to. I'm going to read uh, from Proverbs 17:27 through 18:22, uh, and that's uh, going to be the heart of what we'll be talking about. <clears throat> a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt. And with shame comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. But the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It's not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I'm going to skip a couple verses there that are not on, on, on the subject. And go down to verse 13. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barrel, the barred gates of a citadel. From the fruit of his mouth a man's stomach is filled with the harvest from his lips he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So that those twenty-four verses it's really a fountain of wisdom about communication and, th- and there's probably 24 sermons in the, in those 24 verses but I find that uh, the principles there are spelled out in the New Testament in uh, in just four verses and uh, those four verses I'm going to share to, to put it into uh, a clearer perspective what I think uh, the message is. Those those four verses are in uh, James 1, verses 19 and 20 and in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. So let me just read those and then we'll get into uh, into the message that I think is here. I know it's here for me, maybe for you. Uh, James 1, says, my dear brothers, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And then in uh, Ephesians 14, I mean, sorry, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then, talking about when we're mature, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every word of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all things, grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ. So those four verses, again, could talk for hours about those four verses, but I, I think uh, they they end up being two principles that should guide our communication. That's the message that came to me. Two principles. First, be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's one principle. Quick to listen slow to speak. Second, when, when you are speaking, speak the truth in love. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and examine those two principles this morning and see where it takes us. Uh, each of these could take hours, but we're going to try and summarize it in less than an hour. So first, let's see today's climate. We've we got to set the climate. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time today watching the news. I, I just, I, I get so uh, upset, maybe even angry, uh, when I listen to the news, because I see two sides of, of, of an issue coming back and forth. Uh, the divisions in our society, we all know, Republican and Democrat. We've got Conservative and liberal. We've got pro-life and pro-abortion. You've got, and it goes on and on. It's so many, so many divisions, and each of these uh, people, they talk a lot, but they don't listen to each other, and they talk right by each other. They, they're, they're not communicating. Well, it, it just makes everybody angrier and more divisive. But I looked in the mirror, <laughs> I said, well, how do I communicate? Mm. Well, I could use some of these lessons. And so I said, maybe, maybe this is what I ought to talk about. So I'd like to look at these two uh, lessons a little closer. The first, uh, first part of le- uh, the first principle is, be quick to listen, be quick to listen. let me let me uh, read a short story from uh, a daily bread that uh, I think explains this uh, this story fairly well, And this is very short. United States President Franklin D. Roosevelt often endured long receiving lines at the White House. As the story is told, he complained that no one paid attention to what he said. So he decided to experiment at a reception. To everyone who passed down the line and shook his hand, he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. (laughs) Well, it wasn't until the very last person in line out of about 100 people that anybody, the ambassador from Bolivia finally had listened and he whispered to Franklin, I'm sure she had it coming to her. Okay, we don't listen, okay? Nobody there was listening. Now, the the other uh, story I I think about when when I think about uh, listening is uh, I had a friend who said, you know, we go about and, and we go and greet people and say, how are you? And he said, did you ever listen to the response? He said, nobody ever listens to how you respond. So he did a little experiment for one week when he talked with somebody and they said, how are you? He'd say, well, I had my intestines and spleen removed. And and, and nobody for a week responded to that. They just went on. Finally, after a week, somebody said, really? Nobody actually heard what he said. They were too busy thinking about what they wanted to say next. And that's what we do. That's what I do. And I, I, need to, uh, I need to work on that. You've probably all played the parlor game where people line up and, and the first person whispers in either a fact or a statement in the ear of one and then that person whispers and by the time it gets to the 10th person, it's totally different from how it started. And it just uh, that's the way we're, we're kind of made up to do that. L- listening is work. It's hard to listen, you know. We're not. Uh, we have two ears and one mouth, but it, it doesn't work that way. We we are. Two things happen, I think. You know, we're so self-centered as well as in a hurry. We don't really have time to listen, and uh, we need to. We need to concentrate more and prepare ourselves to listen. We need to think about that every day. I, am I prepared to listen when I'm talking to somebody? Probably, actually, we have to retrain our, our mind or, or renew our mind, as it says in uh, Romans 12, to be a listener. Uh, I think that sometimes we don't even look at the person who's talking and looking at the person might give us a clue that they're suffering from something or they're, they're in pain or whatever. And, and uh, we should do that now. Of course, everybody's communicating online now, so you don't see the person. But uh, we, we should you know, just focus on trying to listen. And by the way, uh, I think in my case, probably the worst of my communication skills occur at home, with my family, where I'm even less listening. So, just a thought for you to think about. The other point I want to make about listening and being ready to listen, getting ready, is listening to the Lord. And, and I want to read another little story that I think, that I think tells this uh, very well. Let me see if I can get this real quick got the same i got franklin roosevelt again here okay this is uh, again from the daily bread prayer point come at once we have struck a berg those were the first words harold cotton the wireless operator on the rms carpathia received from the sinking rms titanic at 12:25 a.m. On April 15, 1912 the Carpathia would be the first ship to the disaster scene saving 706 lives in the US Senate hearing days later the Carpathia's captain Arthur Rostrum testified the whole thing was absolutely providential the wireless operator was in his cabin at the time not on official business at all but just simply listening as he was undressing. In ten minutes, maybe, he would have been in bed, and we would not have heard the message. Listening matters, especially listening to God. The writers of Psalm 85, the sons of Korah, urged attentive obedience when they wrote, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him. Their admonition is especially poignant because their ancestor Korah had rebelled against God and had perished in the the, uh, wilderness. The night the Titanic sank, another ship was much closer, but its wireless operator had gone to bed. Had he heard the distress signal, perhaps more lives would have been saved. When we listen to God by obeying his teaching he'll help us navigate even life's most troubled waters. And when I think about that uh, what do we do in our prayer time? Do we spend our prayer time talking to God or do we take time to listen? Do we take time to be still and meditate on the scripture we're reading? Or do we just rush through and get done what we want to say? And from time to time, God will speak to us in that still small voice. And we need to be open to listening to that voice and following through on that. So in our prayer time and just life in general, I mean, this guy, was getting undressed to go to bed, but he listened. Was it God speaking? Well, God doesn't always speak in the still, small voice. He sometimes speaks through others, through his word, even maybe through uh, some radio or TV situation. How much do we really listen? Okay, so much for the first principle first part of the first principle, which was be uh, quick to listen. The second part, be slow to speak. Now, being slow to speak, it relates back to listening. When when someone else is speaking, like I said, our first impulse is to be thinking about what we are going to say. what How are we going to respond, or what is it we want to get across? Uh, this, the subject uh, in the story about Roosevelt, may be a little unfair. If we're if we we're going to see some the president of the United States for the first time, we probably for a week thought about what do I want to say to him. So that may not be a, a you know a fair uh, situation to to use as judgment. But people we see every day are probably the people we should most be wanting to listen to, not to visit the president so uh, we, we need to point back to the scripture there in James and I think you'll note that we're advised not only to be slow to speak but also to be slow to become angry and, and those two things are related I think uh, when when we fail to listen to to absorb what the person is really saying it, it often causes anger either in the person that's not being listened to or in us because what they said is not what we heard. We didn't really hear what they were saying. You know, words have a way of meaning one thing to one person and something to someone else. And it's, it's, we, we really wanna understand what uh, the person is saying before we speak. Uh, Proverbs 15:1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if, if you cannot answer with a gentle word, one of the things that uh, might help is try asking a question. Try, try to really figure out what is that person saying? Oftentimes, as I said, the person's saying something and we're hearing something else. So asking a question, not only can clarify things, but slows down the pace of what's going on, especially if it's going to be a subject that's going to be disagreed disagreed upon. And in today's world, most things get disagreed on by by somebody. So uh, maybe maybe we, we can ask the question, can you help me understand what it is you're telling me? And that causes both of us to slow down before we get into whatever the meat is? Or can you, can you tell me what makes you feel that way? If they're saying, hey, you make me feel like I'm not important, or whatever. Can, can you t- help me understand what makes you feel that way? Or can you tell me where you got that information? You know, Everybody gets their own information. Uh, you know, everybody's entitled to, to get information, but there's only one truth that's part of the issue. We, we need to get to that truth and we're going to talk about speaking the truth. So uh, there's a saying, it's not in the scripture in these words, but engage brain before opening mouth. It's a good, it's a good saying to remember. You know, always think before we speak. It's, it, it's hard. We're not used to doing that. Some people are better than others. Try to Understand before you disagree, especially. And if you have to disagree, try to disagree without being disagreeable. And that is possible. I had a boss who taught me that once. You can disagree without being disagreeable. Proverbs uh, 29.20 again says, If you see a man who speaks in haste, there is more hope for a fool than him. Proverbs is sprinkled with this. Obviously, it was important. Communication. It's it's a prime topic in the wisdom of of Solomon and, and throughout the Bible, actually. So that's enough for principle one. Let's go to principle two. When you do speak, speak the truth in love. That's what the scripture says there in Ephesians 14. Now, Someone, I don't know who to give credit for this, but has has made this statement. The truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. I'm gonna say it again. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And we see that often in the church or in our personal relationships you know, you see people get beat over the head with a Bible, right? That, that's truth without love. That's brutal. We see people who get driven away by the brutal uh, quoting of Scripture. On the other hand, we see people who will not confront sin when it's clearly sin. That's love without truth. You know, what, love covers a multitude of sin. But it doesn't forgive them. It doesn't erase them. We, we, there, there. You know, the Bible tells us what to do. So, I, I want to use some examples here of speaking the truth in love and and being positive in what we say. And uh, for my first uh, example, I go to that famous theologian Gomer Powell. You probably all have read some of Gomer's work, and. I remember very well, Gomer once was uh, having a real problem getting a girlfriend. And, of course, he went to his uh, advisors, Andy and Barney, and Andy and Barney told Gomer, look, the, the, the real issue here is got to say something positive first. Whatever it is, got to say something positive. So Gomer went on his blind date, and sure enough, <laughs> This blind date was not attractive, uh, not uh, well-kept, <laughs> and she was very disagreeable. And you could just see Gomer sitting there. It was a beautiful day, and they're sitting out on the park bench, and Gomer's sitting there, and he's obviously in deep thought, what can I say that's positive here? So finally, he lights up and he says, boy, for a fat girl, you sure don't sweat much. <laughs> well, we could do better than that, <laughs> okay? We could do better than Gomer. And I, I, I have one other example that I can think of. And, and there, these are funny, but there's some truth, you know. you got, sometimes hard to find a positive thing to say. There's a father whose uh, son comes home with his report card and it's all Fs. And he's sitting there looking at me, he says, well, son, I can say one thing. I'm proud of you. I know you're not cheating, well, that was true, and, it w- but, and maybe it, it was a start of, of something uh, positive, but anyway, w- we should try and speak in love, and, and that means positive, it put a positive uh, spin on it. Uh, being slow to speak, again, gives us time to try and find that positive trait or some item to set the tone, Uh, it doesn't mean avoiding the truth. The truth is the truth. We we don't want to avoid the truth, but perhaps, uh, again, we can wrap it in in a question of, how can I help you with this issue? If you're sincere about helping, that uh, you're not going to be a hypocrite and say, how can I help you? And the person says, well, I need to borrow money or something are you ready to help are you uh, if you're not ready to help you're being a hypocrite by asking if you can help so you, you need to look at the situation try and and see how uh, we can find an opening to talk about the truth and and maybe what needs to be said in in regard to the situation that we're dealing with uh, sometimes we may be, Getting into a situation that we're not supposed to be in. Maybe we don't have a, a place to correct someone, and we're trying to correct someone that's none of our business. You know that—that's uh, you know to be said up front. But uh, resolving differences is is something that uh, we we need to really grapple with if we're ever going to uh, get this nation, and maybe I can say the world, into a better place. There's just so much division. It seems like there's never been so much. Uh, but even the church, which should be the example, hasn't seemed to done well. I am not want to talk about Liberty Church. I'm talking about the church uh, universal. Uh, we We don't talk about the issues and get to the truth. We go our separate ways and, and get angry and, and call names and uh, you know it's it's not getting better and the Lord says he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Man we're spotted and wrinkled <laughs> like you won't believe. I mean we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, I, I remember the, the statement they said there was a one of the uh, cardinals was in Rome and uh, Jesus returned and was coming down the street in Rome and he ran into the Pope and he said, I have some good news and some bad news. And the Pope says, well, what's the good news? He said, the Lord's returned. What's the bad news? He's ticked off, especially at the church. And the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We're supposed to be. And, you know, it begins in our home. We're talking about our communications. So the lesson for me is I got a lot of work to do to uh, find what it is that the Lord would have me to do, not only in my home, but, you know, as part of the church. I I, I think the church needs to do more. And I want to close in a kind of a positive note. Yesterday, I was at a uh, breakfast. It was the 25th annual Carroll County Men's Breakfast. And and there were over 200 men there, all uh, different ages, different races, different uh, denominations, uh, non-denominational people, all people who uh, at least say they love the Lord. And there was a challenge there. It was... Uh, four different speakers and and they all related to the situation in the world today and s- all agreed that we have the same situation in the church universal where we're more divided than we are unified, that we're more uh, ignoring problems or yelling about problems than trying to solve problems. and. Uh, they, they challenged everyone there to uh, to begin to try and work, you know, the, the world's gonna be changed one person at a time. And why, not, why don't we be the ones that started is what I'm just saying to myself. What can I do to improve how I participate in communications in my home, in my neighborhood, in my activities daily, Uh, even just listening. You know, we were talking mostly about one-on-one communications, but even when I'm listening to the news or a lecture or whatever, do I prepare myself to listen or do I look for those areas where I disagree so I can shout back at the TV or at the person, what, you know, what, what do I do? And uh, do, do we all really try to listen and maybe even learn? Uh, so what I uh, would say is if nothing else, we need to, to pray about how we can do individually. What can we do uh, collectively? I'm not saying that we should rise up and start marching or something like that. I'm saying let's ask the Lord what it is that he would have us to do. And maybe if uh, we find the answer, we can help to uh, let the church become the model that it should be for the rest of the world and uh, lead the way in solving problems. I think, I think there are some small attempts at that beginning, but uh, we need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. We need to do whatever we can. Somebody said, only God can move mountains, but faith and prayer can move God. So we can start by praying and listening to what God says when we pray. he, He wants us, he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He wants us to prosper. So I'm not listening enough and I encourage you to think about whether You're listening enough to your spouse, your children, your neighbor, your uh, colleagues at work, whoever. Ask the Lord to show you what it is that uh, you can do to be a part of the solution and not add to the division and the clamor. So, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the wisdom that you have given us. You've given us uh, in your Word and Proverbs and Matthew how to how to resolve the differences that you knew would exist among us. You created us as unique individuals, and Lord, we we uh, want to be everything that you've called us to be. So we call on you, Lord, to speak to us, to encourage us, to give us strength to do what it is you want us to do. And while we're talking to you, Lord, we do lift up those from our congregation who are fighting illness or fighting other issues. I ask that you be with them this day. That you watch over them. We ask that you would be with the Leaders of our nation, those in authority, Lord, speak to their hearts. Have them look to you in resolving these issues that seem to be dividing us more and more each day. We pray for each one, Lord, and ask that you give them wisdom, watch over them, lead and guide them. And uh, Lord, we do pray for our nation, Lord, that we would restore our faith in you and that your people who are called by your name would continue to pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.